What is happening, everyone? Along with Will Brewer, I am Colby Daniels. It is a pay-per-view fight week in the UFC. UFC 280 is upon us. I am beyond thrilled about this fight card. I cannot wait to watch all of the action on Saturday. There is one disappointment that accompanies this card, but we'll get into that. Uh, one of the most star-studded lineups of the entire year, and it is finally fight week. Will Brewer, what is happening, my friend? Man, I'm geeked up for this uh, for this weekend, man. It's going to be an outstanding card from top to bottom. I don't mind waking up at 9 a.m. on Saturday uh, for a card like this. Like we've been we've been talking about this since like July or August, like That's in right. preparation for how uh, stupid this card is. I mean, even three, four fights into the to the announcements and stuff, we knew that this was going to be something. But like now, when you see the finished product, like it's definitely uh better than 270 i mean i might have to like put the cards like uh, side by side and see exactly um if i think that 270 <laughs> is better than 280 or not but i mean 280 is i mean definitely one of the best the best card of the year up to up to this point and i mean we've got some uh 281 and 282 we'll see what's what, what those will be like but man i'm excited for 280 and uh man let's get into it 280 is great. Uh, I don't know, man. 270. That was that was one of the all timers. You you uh, <laughs> you're kind of being bold there. <laughs> <laughs> that is sarcasm for people out there that might might not be remembering at this moment which card 270 was. That was the uh, I, I don't want to say like awfulness because that's disrespectful to, to the people fighting on that card. But the underwhelming nature that was the star power that made up the first pay-per-view of 2022 Back in January, UFC 270, that gave us an incredible main event, but 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 maybe failed to deliver the hype leading into that card that that some of the other pay per views, especially this one, has. Yeah, man. I mean, when you have such a awesome main event like that, you want the rest of the card to be you know spectacular like the like the main event is. You know, it just kind of gives you the little the lead up. Like there is no better lead up to uh, a main event or even main the main two fights i mean these uh main card fights the prelims like imagine if they put the the amount of effort that they did into this card that the, to uh ufc 270 or ufc 279 with nate diaz i mean of course francis and ganu and nate diaz aren't the um most popular people uh, in the ufc uh in terms of the ufc brass because they were going head to head with them but man i mean Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev, that is such an outstanding main event. And not only that, but you got a co-main event to go with it. You've got so many close stylistic matchups with such important implications. Like, that's what make this, makes this card so special. But 270 was just, well, we got our two main fights. Let's just put a, little, a bunch of yeah. whatever on the rest of it. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it, yeah, just like, again, it's, I, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect the fighters that fought on that card. But in terms of, like, hype, there wasn't big matchups with a lot on the line in terms of maybe the rankings or the title picture or even just personalities, right? There weren't a lot of over-the-top personalities. Like, again, the, the fight card was fine. It just didn't have the hype that surrounds this one. I'm trying to remember, and maybe, maybe help me for a moment, because you have a much better memory in this regard than I do. When we did our end-of-the-year awards last year, what did we decide was the best pay-per-view of 2021? Because I think I know... But maybe I'm forgetting one. Do you remember? You picked you picked uh, 268 okay. MSG, and I picked 269. Um, but 268 was like right there. Okay. So yeah. 268 was was the one that I remembered, but I couldn't remember if maybe there was another one that I was overlooking. 
or just or I can't even remember what I picked to be honest with you. But off the top of my head, thinking back, two sixty eight still sticks out to me at this point. Um, we can use both of those cards uh, as an example here. How do you think two eighty stacks up versus either one of those two cards? Ooh, um, two eighty. I mean, well, look. Of course, you had um, Usman and Covington. Uh, you had Zhang Wei Li and Rose, and then you had Gaethje Chandler, which were your top three fights. You had Burgos Billy Q, which was Great you know. Fight. I mean, it was an outstanding fight, but in terms of hype, right, I mean, right. uh, the hardcores are going to know. Uh, but, I mean, then you had Cheeto and Frankie Edgar on the main card as well, which is, I mean, when you look at a, at a lineup like that, I mean, that's a pretty solid main card. And then, of course, uh, on the prelims, you had Alex Fajeda debuting. I think you had Ian Gary on the card. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, like, 280... 280 is pretty stacked. I mean, if that, if this card would have fully kept intact and like it, it's lost a few bangers. I mean, let's that's, I, I don't know if you uh, realize some of the ones that that, that it did lose, but yeah. it's lost a few bangers for sure. Uh, but the top the top six and then sprinkle some of the other prelims. I mean, it's just this is as good of a card uh, that we've seen in terms of 268 and 269. Those cards from last year. I mean, it's close. I mean. It's definitely better than 269. 268, I mean, it's it's right there. I mean, it might... I, I guess I'd have to see how the fights played out because, like, now you know you know what happens in 268. Right. So, like, maybe, like, you have to see what happens uh, with 280 before you give, like, a full answer on that one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's... I, I think it's right there. I would say in its original form, I might lean that way. Um... From start to finish, I would say maybe it doesn't quite measure up, but look, this main card is as good as I think any main card that we've we've had. Yeah, one one thousand percent. This main card is is stat. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna break price, but I just want to give the <laughs> like you have Charles and Islam in terms of like the matchup. Like that matchup is as good as it gets at lightweight. I don't think you'll find a better. Uh, stylistic matchup where, uh, I mean, you you look at how dominant Islam is, and like this is the one guy where you're like, ooh, you know, maybe he's not gonna have you know as as easy of a time with with Charles who brings chaos and and jujitsu and uh, technical striking all in all in one mix, you know, Dillashaw and uh, Aljamain Sterling, like the the matchup, it's so close, like. For if anyone can, if if I can ask anybody, all the hardcore fans or all the analysts who really know this sport, who do you like in that matchup? It would take it would take them a minute to be like to give a definitive answer. Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. Now I remember when we first the first time we talked about Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. I said Peter Yan's gonna kick his ass. Like I, I was confident in that, yeah. and then you were like. Bro, styles make fights, and I didn't. I didn't think much of it at the time. Like, this, like when this fight was announced, this was months ago. But as as I've thought about it, I'm like, oh my gosh! Like this, like stylistically, this is a favorable matchup for Sean O'Malley. Um, even though, even the flyweight women's matchup, uh, Chukagian and uh, and Firo, 
that is an outstanding fight. I mean, it might go. It's most likely going to go to a decision. Let's be real. Right. But in terms of the in terms of the styles, I feel like th- they're fighting mirror images of each other. Like height, length. I mean, they're fighting mirror images of each other. Um, what is the fight? Am I mean, oh, Darius and Gamrot. Oh my gosh, like stylist. Like that's one of these fights that's going to fly under the radar. But that's probably going to be the best fight on the card. I mean. Bilal and Sean Brady aren't even on the main card. That's mind blowing. They're me. not even on the main card. And that, as soon as that fight was announced, I was sure that was going to be on the main card. And for that to be on the prelims, I mean, when you think about the undefeated Sean Brady and then Bilal Muhammad, who's on the cusp of a title shot, who knows what else he has to do. Uh, and then when you think of their styles, like there, there's so many stylistically pleasing matchups where you like either person could have the upper hand. And you just really don't know how these fights are going to play out on fight day. Like, normally you have an idea, but uh, there's a lot of close, close matchups, man. A lot of close matchups. So, how do you feel like this card, in terms of hype, because, like, UFC 275 was a great card. It, It was a terrific card. In terms of hype, though, like, really you had the last three fights on the card that were big hype fights, but... The rest of the card didn't have a lot of hype going into it. Again, unless you're maybe a hardcore. Uh, what to you has been the best card, I think, leading up to it? Not what actually occurred, but to this point in 2022, what's been the best pay-per-view card? In terms of hype? Yeah. What has been the best? Like, what is 280 um, at this point competing against? Like, what's the next best so far? Oh, my gosh. Um to be honest, it's really not competing with anything. I, uh, I, don't think I so mean, either. yeah, like to, the the closest thing would be two seventy six. But like, let's be real. I think we all knew what was going to happen at two seventy six. I think we all had a pretty good idea of how those fights were going to go. Um, like Izzy and uh, Cannoneer, I think we knew Izzy was going to roll through him. I think we knew. I think Volk and Holloway was interesting, but I, I mean, I, I don't feel like that build was good enough for what that fight was, uh, yeah. for what the fight could have been. Like, the bill could have been better. Um, I think the most interesting fight was uh, Pajeda and Sean Strickland in terms of what would happen. But, you know, of course, you saw how the fight played out. But, yeah, in terms of hype, man, the only thing that comes close is 276, but 280 wipes this, wipes that out of the out of the park. I feel like uh, 279 was a little bit more hyped up just with Hamzat and Nate, like what what's going to happen, a little bit more hyped up than 276. So, yeah. 280 definitely wipes all of the cars that we've seen up to this point out of the water. I would say 276 is is absolutely next of 2022. And that was one that I felt like that card was absolutely loaded. But the main event was the least intriguing fight maybe on the entire fight card. That's what, like, hurts that one. Because I don't know about... I mean, zero part of me thought that that was going to be a competitive fight. Outside of the obvious, like, if Cannoneer lands a big shot, he could end the fight. Like, that's true of basically any fight, but, like... That, to me, there was no chance that was going to be a close fight, barring just one giant shot potentially landing. And Izzy's almost too good to to feel like that's a reasonable expectation at this point. Yeah, man. Uh, Until the I next mean, one. I kind of thought that um, Cannoneer, his game plan, I thought he was going to be, he was going to have a very, like his coaches were going to coach him well. The game plan was going to be something different that we hadn't seen. So I was kind of under the impression that we were that we would see something different from Cannoneer, but it was pretty much the same thing that all of his opponents have done outside of like a Robert Whitaker. Um, they're 
they're waiting for Izzy to fight them when he doesn't. He shouldn't have to. He's the champion. So, yeah, I mean, the we all knew what was going to happen Izzy and uh, with Izzy and Cannoneer. I mean, you also had, like, Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz. But, I mean, I, I definitely felt like Sean O'Malley was going to win that. But when you when you flip the page over to 280, all these fights, like, I struggled to, like, come up with decisions. And I know I'm, I'm a person who kind of struggles already. But, like, m- remember last week I said I'm not going to change my pick. I, I've changed my pick, er, like, as of this morning <laughs> for, for, for a few fights. I've, I've changed nice. my pick. And okay. I, I'm trying to tell myself, like, to stop. Like, don't think about it anymore, but I can't. Like, it's especially now that it's fight week and you're watching some content and you watch old fights and stuff. It, it's crazy, man. <laughs> can I tell you how disappointed I am that Jailton Almeida, and I don't know what happened. Maybe you can fill me in. Um, I can't tell you how disappointed I am. Jailton Almeida is no longer on this card. Yeah, man. I don't know what happened, but um, obviously it's something to do with Shamil. And I feel like uh, he's he's had issues in every you know, every time they've been scheduled, it's been something with him. And I made it like, well, all right, well, just give me something else. Give me somebody else. So he's like, he's fighting on a card uh, coming up soon against uh, Maxine Grisham at uh, another 225 catchweight fight. I mean, he, the, the guy wants to be active. The UFC is trying to give him a big name to kind of build him off of. And, you know, Shamil's that guy that they want to be, to do that off of, but he's just not, you know, there's something up with him. I don't know what it is, but he, he continues to pull out every time. That dude is a two-division contender, Will. Jelton yes. Almeida. I don't know how many people out there are familiar with him yet. As Dana White would say, if you don't know, now you know. Like, Jelton Almeida is a two-division contender. Give me Jelton Almeida as often as possible. Like, this dude is a problem. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I mean, it's it's only a matter of time until he gets that big, uh, that big win. And the fact that he's doing it in two weight classes simultaneously, it's... You you would think that he would be more of a star, but like he doesn't speak English, so that kind of docks him because you know he's always having to have the translator. But in terms of his performances inside the octagon, yeah, I mean he's as good of a prospect that we have in the entire UFC, and he's absolutely a contender um, in both divisions. I mean, when you think of the skill that he has, uh, the power that he has, I mean it translates in both divisions, and then the size of the guy, like yeah, he's a, he's a tank of a man. He's so skilled. I mean. We could be. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say he's going to be a two division champion, but he's absolutely going to be in the conversation for both divisions for sure. Yeah. Uh, What was the What was the other fight that fell off this card? Uh, Amanda Limos and uh, Marina Rodriguez. I don't know if they just felt like this card was too stacked, so they just like moved it to a fight night. But yeah, that that fight was going to be on this card, and they just uh, moved it to a few weeks. Uh, later yeah I, I was like there there's a, another gigantic fight that for some reason it's not uh pinging uh but yeah like if it, again if this card had stayed intact originally i mean imagine that like that should have been a main card fight yeah like ask me if i'd rather see chukagian and firo or limos and marina rodriguez i mean limos marina rodriguez is maybe a top 10 fight you can make in all of all of the the current women's divisions that yeah. is a fun fight. I mean, we we talked about we talk about stylistically pleasing matchups. I mean, in terms of women's the women's divisions, I think that this fight's going to be a banger. I mean, Limos is yeah. a devastating striker. We've seen what Marina Rodriguez t- can do. She knocked out uh, Amanda Hebas. I mean, that fight. Uh, I man, I'm ready for that fight. I wish be Dern and Shaunon the the main event a couple weeks ago of UFC Fight Night. Yeah, and she's. I mean. Who 
who would take this fight? Who would take a fight with someone ranked um, all all these spots below who had just lost to Jessica Andrade, maybe uh, the fight before her right. last win against Watterson? Who would do that? And then uh, in a fight that's like stylistically where anything could happen. I mean, it just goes to show like, I mean, uh, Marina Rodriguez is definitely uh, tough. She's on the cusp of a title shot. And the UFC sees some type of star appeal in Amanda Lemos for sure. Or uh, she wouldn't be getting a fight of this magnitude. So, and, and the fight itself is just outstanding. I wish it was on this card, but uh, it, it's going to make a, a fight night card that much better. So, we'll just have to wait for it. Absolutely. All right, let's let's hit a couple of the fights from uh, Saturday night before we officially move on and start breaking down UFC 280 and making picks. UFC fight night, Grasso Araujo on Saturday night. Alexa Grasso over... Viviane Araujo at 125 in the women's flyweight division. Um, this was a fight where I was like trying to keep my six-year-old somewhat entertained while simultaneously watching, Will. Um, I felt like, of what I saw, this seemed like it was heavily grosso. Um, I wouldn't be able to accurately tell you like what my scorecard would be because I did not watch this like uninterrupted. But as I was keeping one eye on it and trying to, to wrangle a, a small child uh, that had been loaded up with sugar, um, the vibe I got was Alexa Grasso cruised to a win here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had it 49-46. Um, I didn't feel like, I mean, when you look at the scorecards, um, you would think that Grasso kind of cruised to a win. But this was a very tough fight. Like our, Viviani definitely made it tough on Grasso to, to, to bank these rounds. These rounds could have went either way. Uh, but it's just on the feet. Like Grasso just has, you know, those combinations. She's fast. She's very skilled. And uh, Arujo, she's got power and she's somewhat skilled. But Grasso just has that, just has that, it's just a level above her, uh, it seemed like on this night. And uh, Arujo was trying to get her to the ground. Um, I think she was successful and was able to control her in one round. But I mean, that was, it was, it was barely enough for her to even bank that round. I mean, that round could have went to Grasso as well, yeah. but it just seemed like Grasso was just edging her, <clears throat> edging her in, in, in every round. So uh, you could give one round to Arujo, that second round where she did uh, have some control time. But outside of that, this was a, uh, this was the Grasso win for sure. I, I think it was Aaron Bronstetter tweeted something like very close fight. And then the score, like, I think he had 49, 46 as well. When you look at those scorecards, you're like, that's not really a close fight, but in terms of, I guess, like feeling like all the rounds were at least competitive makes it a close fight. It's just that Grasso won all those close rounds. Um, but yeah, like I never got the sense that uh, Araujo was um, really leading at any point. Um, and then the second part of this that I want to get your take on, we talked about this last week in previewing this fight. It kind of seems like maybe this fight was set up for Alexa Grasso, if she wins, to maybe have a title shot next. After watching this fight again like halfway watching it because I was watching it while being distracted. I didn't get the feeling like this was the kind of fight where I get the sense that Alexa Grasso was ready for Shevchenko. Yeah. So <laughs> when I watch these flyweight uh, contenders fight, that's what like in, in most uh, divisions, but especially one when there's a dominant champion, you watch these fights and, and think like, now how would she do against the champion? Now, let me say this, like, Grasso is continuing to make strides. She is getting better every time we see her. Um, and Viviani Arujo, she's strong. She's skilled. Like she's she's solid everywhere. She's not great everywhere, but she's good everywhere. She 
uh, she knew her advantage was to try to get Grasso to the ground, and she tried to get her to the ground multiple times. And Grasso definitely has drilled being in tough being in tough spots. Um, but for me, man, Grasso, like I said, she's continuing to get better. She's young in the sport, but like, I don't, I don't feel like she's fully ready. Like she's, she's coming. She's almost there. Yeah. But she's not quite there yet. But who are you going to give Valentina the fight? Who's going to fight her next? If it's not Talia Santos or if it's not Amanda Nunez, I mean, you want to see Valentina fight someone new. And, you know, Grasso just fought in the main event fight. I mean, it's, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month and all this stuff. Um, she's she's becoming very, very popular and everything. Everyone, she's she's very beautiful. I mean, I know the UFC thinks that uh, they've got a star in the making. She's so nice, I mean, and polite. You can tell that she really, really wants it. Um, but, you, you know, I, I feel like she's going to go in there against Valentina and she might, you know, make it interesting. But I feel like Valentina is going to be so much stronger. Uh, she's going to be able to she's, – she's got so much to worry about with Valentina. Valentina's very elite everywhere. Um, and where Alexa Grasso's fighting Arujo, and Arujo is very solid everywhere. Like Valentina is great everywhere, and that's uh, yeah. that, that's something that you know she's not she hasn't seen yet. And I think the gap between the Arujos and the um, Roxanne Modafferi's and the Jessica Eyes and uh, like everyone else in Valentina, the, the gap is substantial. But Alexa Grasso is working her way up. I just don't think she's quite there yet. But th- there might not be any other choice. She might have to take that title fight next. I told you last week, like, I think it's time for the, the Valentina Amanda fight to take place. Um, I think now is the time if they, if they decide they want to wait on that longer, can you make the case that if Furo beats Chukagian, that it's Furo? Yeah, you definitely could make the case. Uh, I feel like that's probably why this fight's happening. Um, outside of, you know, all of the, you know, stylistically, they're pretty much the same fighter. Um, Chukagan's number one, and Furo's pretty much ran through this everyone that she's fought. Right. So, yeah, if Furo wins this fight, I could definitely see it be her. But I, I think it would depend on how it's done. Uh, I think Grasso, with her being a, having some star appeal, she might get the nod if it's a boring three-round decision over Furo. But uh, if Furo does something spectacular, then, you know, it might be Furo. We'll just have to see. It's interesting either way, but uh, main event, big win for Alexa Grasso. Co-main event was Jonathan Martinez over Cub Swanson. Can I just say, those leg kicks, man. Whew, yeah, I mean, props. To, let me just say props to Cub because uh, he took a lot of shots, a lot of punches uh, that I needed to see him take uh, to see, like, okay, um, was this weight cut a bad idea? Uh, and but it wasn't. I felt like he looked good on fight day. He didn't look. He, I felt like he looked ex- exactly the same that he looks at featherweight. Uh, he didn't look sucked out or anything like that. He took shots well. Yeah. Just Jonathan Martinez's leg kicks were very skillful. And when you look at Martinez's legs, I didn't realize his legs were that big. Like his, his, he's got some tree trunks for legs, and he's kicking Cub in the same spot with all of his might. And tough is a Cub is a tough ass dude. But for him to to be Wilting at those leg kicks, like those must have really, really did a significant amount of damage. I mean, 
we I knew that Jonathan Martinez was good. I mean, this bantamweight division is so loaded that a guy like Jonathan Martinez is not ranked. But I mean, now people know who Jonathan Martinez is, and he like he's a killer. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to see what's next for him. But I mean, this every every weekend we're talking about this bantamweight this bantamweight division, and the fact that Jonathan Martinez isn't ranked is just crazy. I mean, he may not even be yeah. in the top twenty. He may be like top twenty five. It's 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 insane. There are twenty five names in that division. Easy where you can say, how do you how do you pick 15 of these guys? Like, how can you reasonably pick 10 of those guys to not be ranked five? You know what I mean? Like, it's the margin between, like, there's definitely separation at the top, but once you get down toward, like, from, like, 8, 9, 10, to all the way down to, like, 25, like, nobody can convince me that the margin there from, like, 8 to 25 is significant, because it's not. It's not, and you're literally jockeying for position in every single fight that you have, like, I feel like that's one reason why the bantamweight division, why these fights, why you always say death taxes and bantamweights. Like these bantamweights know, like I have to win this fight in order to just move up maybe one one spot or two spots just to get close to the top fifteen. Yeah. I mean, if you lose, you you're just going further and further down. While I mean, this these these this division, these guys are so close, so close, and it's crazy to me, man. I mean, I, this division to me. I, I go back and forth every weekend. I mean, I go back and forth. I keep saying that bantamweight is the best division in the UFC, but for like two weeks in a row, I was like, all right, lightweight is is the is the best division. But as of last weekend, yeah. it's 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 went back to to bantamweight, man. Like it's it's crazy. I think for me, like it's it's two different. They're, they're, you can say each is the best, but they're be- the best in a different way. Bantamweight is the best in terms of like the high how many like high level guys you have because it's deep as we just talked about like you can go 25 deep really high level guys i think 155 is best in terms of like how good the elite guys of the division are yeah and, and on top of that um the star quality right um uh, i feel like the lightweight division is more of the glamour division but i would i would i would probably say that in terms of quality of fights, that bantamweight has a leg up on lightweight. But when in, term, in terms of the title fights, uh, I think lightweight, uh, of course. Like we've seen what yeah. Charles has done with Dustin and everything, and then you know Al Jermaine and Peter Yan. Like you know, in terms of the title, I think that lightweight has that part. But quality of fights, like we talk about it all the time. Every every podcast that we're on, the, the quality of fights at, at Bantamweight are, are spectacular. Just think about in but, the Bantamweight division, it's like the, the best combination of skill and speed and power. Yeah. Right? You have yeah. all of the elements in almost every Bantamweight fight. Like sometimes when you get the, the smaller guys and they're so fast, you're trading power for speed. This is the best collection, I think, of all the elements, skill, speed, and power. It's it's incredible. Yeah. and. When you see some of these guys like Jonathan Martinez, like he doesn't he didn't wow me with his speed. But in terms of power and skill, that's what he had. Yeah. Uh, Cubs, Cubs Swanson coming down to this uh, weight division. He's he's got speed. He's got skill. He's got power. I think he just came a little too late. I mean, we're, we're going to talk. I mean, I'm just going to get into it now. Rafael Asuncao at Bantamweight looked amazing against Victor Henry. I thought this was a fight that he was definitely going to lose. I thought he was on the he was close to for, for his career to be over. But I mean, I think he might have just caught a career resurgence beating beating a young guy like that. Um, 
Asuncao has been a guy uh, who has been who was so good in this division for years, and for him to still be hanging around, uh, you know, of course you got people at the top of the division, Dillashaw, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley, like you said, the perfect display of speed, power, and skill. I mean, when you look at all fifteen of the range yeah. fighters, that's exactly what that is. Like, geez, yeah, that's incredible. Um, do you want to hit a Sun Sal? He had lost four in a row. He's forty years old. He had lost four in a row. His last win, Will, was in twenty eighteen. Bruh, man, I thought I was definitely uh, like, yeah, Victor Henry's probably gonna make a statement and uh, make his name off of a Sun Sal. Right. But a Sun Sal, first of all. As soon as I saw him walking to the cage, I, I thought his body looked—I thought he looked in great shape. Uh, I thought as of late, like when he fought Ricky Simone, I kind of felt like he was getting a little, you know, pudgy around the, the midsection. But I think he took this this fight very serious as as he should. You know, I, I think he was desperate for a win. Uh, I think he even said in the post-fight interview that he was contemplating retirement. Uh, I think if he would have lost this fight, he definitely would have retired. But after a performance like that, you can't go out like that. Like you got to see, like you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I've got something. Maybe I can continue this. So I, I definitely feel like we'll see him again. Uh, I think with his experience, man, and with how he's looked, you know, you never know. But uh, or this is he's the perfect way guy. to go out. It could be, but it could be. But I think after a performance like that, you got to, you have to give at least one more. I don't know, man. That's what I would do. Yeah, but I guess that's that's probably why people stay around in the sport too long. Like they should have, they should have left, and then you go for one more, and then that doesn't end well. Then you come back for another one, and you just never leave. And so. then how do we always remember you? Yeah, but yeah, but very rarely one. do we remember somebody going out. Like man, that guy. Like it's always like man, remember what that guy was. That it's just the sad reality of the sport, right? That's why they say Father Time is undefeated. That's why at forty years old, you have a performance like that. Maybe that's the one you hang your hat on. I don't know. He lost four in a row. But he had lost to elite guys too, so I don't, you know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I still think he doesn't have to fight a killer, but I don't think he can avoid fighting a killer in his next exactly. fight because, like, top twenty-five are all killers. So maybe he should hang it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jonathan Martinez, right? Like, Sun Sal's gonna go out on Jonathan Martinez. That's not an easy fight. Oh, not, not at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Um, Dusko Todorovic had a huge win over Jordan Wright. I mean, we talked about this last week. This had the chance to be one of the best fights on the card. Uh, two guys that had each lost three of their last four and each had lost to, I mean, big time finishers in the division. Yeah. You know, this fight was just like a tale of, uh, two rounds, basically. I mean, Jordan Wright basically had it in the first round. He was, uh, he was very active. Uh, he was definitely trying to, uh, get the finish in the first round. He, I think he blew his wide in the first round. And I think uh, Todorovic knew it because uh, he came out in the second round very aggressive, just as Jordan Wright was aggressive in the first round. Todorovic flipped it on him in the second round. And I think Jordan Wright had nothing left. And uh, Todorovic was able to just pour it on and uh, yeah. get the finish, man. Big win for Todorovic. And no damn it, Misha, this week, as Alonzo Menafield got the finish over Misha Surkinov. Now, I had, I had mixed emotions about this because, like, I know last week I said, I hope Alonzo Menafield knocks his ass out. And then, like, it actually happened. But, like, you're never, you're never happy to see somebody get knocked out. Right. Like, I've, I was only happy to see, like, one person get knocked out, and that was Colby Covington. I was very happy when Kamaru Usman knocked him out. But you, you're never happy to see these guys, you know, who work hard and everything get knocked out, who are trying to provide for their families and everything. You never want to see them get knocked out like that. But for all of those times that I trusted Misha Serkinov to give me a win, and then 
he 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 falls flat on his face against Wellington Terman. Like, come on, man. Damn it, Misha. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. Big win for Minifield. I mean, Minifield's looked amazing in his last few fights, man. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what Pat Berry's done with him, but on fight day, he looks shredded. His power, he's he's picking his shots. He's not rushing in. And I think that he, as soon as he started throwing these shots, like, I think Misha knew, like, he's trying to take my head off. Like, let me try to grab a hold of him. I think Misha was kind of nervous to engage. And I, and I think whenever you're like that, you're you're going to get knocked out eventually. Yeah. And, and Minifield was able to find the chin. By the way, I, maybe it's just my excitement level for 280 that's blocking my memory, but what fight fell off this card? Um, Daniel Rodriguez and Neil Magny. Wasn't there a, I mean, there was a, a one of the picks we made last week, right? Um, there was, there was a fight there. We made a pick last week. Oh, I, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, um, I cannot remember now. Uh, yeah, Askarov and Brandon Roybal. That's it. That's it. That, yeah, that's that's a huge fight. I, I, there's no yeah. reason I should have forgot that, but super disappointed that Askar Askarov and, and uh, Brandon Royval didn't happen because that that like we talked about last week had the chance to be one of the special fights on that card. Absolutely, um, I think that Brandon Royval is just waiting for that opportunity to 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 burst into the top of the division, and Askarov is like the boogeyman in the division. So this fight had a yeah. lot going into it it sucks that they weren't able to go out there because like stylistically that's a very interesting fight to see like what what was going to reign supreme i mean the obvious like safe pick would have been askarov but i think brandon royval's mindset i think he's the type of guy that that goes out there and just gets into a scrap and we just saw askarov kind of struggle with that with uh, kai car france and brandon royval i know he was ready to go out there and at least make askarov fight like this yeah. is going to be a fight no matter if Roy Ball was going to be on the winning or losing side, it was going to be exciting. And it sucks that we didn't get to see it. He's so long and he just scrambles so well. Like it was going to be a fun fight, even if Askarov kind of had his way because Roy Ball would make him earn it. Like that's right. Yeah. It would have been a fun that fight was, and uh, super disappointed that one didn't happen. A um, couple of things before we officially hit 280. Number one, did you see that Dana announced the slap fight league? Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, when when this first was talked about, I didn't think that it would go this far. But like they're talking about getting TV deals, and we, you know we got one of the first uh, for brothers uh, in the mix now. So like this is this is about to be a thing. Um, of course, when, like I'll scroll on Twitter and I'll see the slap fighting stuff, and it's it's entertaining. But then you're just like, now like this is actually going to be on UFC Fight Pass, and like this is something that they're actually going to get behind. It's it's surprising, but I mean, I'm sure that they'll make it a big deal. I mean, I'll watch it. <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, every time I see it on social media, I watch. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, and I want to see it, but I don't know that I would ever like go out of my way to actually sit down and like watch it on. Right? It's kind of like one of those things that, as I'm scrolling, I see like a video of it on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, cool, and then I watch it for a minute, and then I keep going. It's not something I would like sit and just watch. <laughs> like, you know what I'm doing Saturday at six o'clock. I'm going to sit down and watch that. You know what I mean? Like that's, so I, I enjoy watching it when I see it on my timeline, but like my interest level in it, I think is about that. Like it's, I don't think I would ever carve time out to just like sit down and actively watch it for extended periods of time, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll it's, see. It's not one of those things where you're planning out your Saturday to be like, yeah, I'm right. in front of the TV to watch this. Uh, well, let me ask you this. If it's, 
if it's Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis in a slap fighting <laughs> match, are you watching or are you just, what are we doing? I will set the alarm clock for whatever time I need to set the alarm clock. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if that thing's at three 30 in the morning, I will set the alarm <laughs> clock. I think that's the only way that, yeah. that that's really going to get this like really moving. Like you have to maybe put people like people that the, the fans know, I mean, of course, she'll be like slap fighting. It's brought to you by the UFC. I mean, I'm sure some people will watch, yeah. but like, who are these people who are slapping each other? Right. You know, if, if it happens to be Francis and Derek, like you said, I'm rushing to the TV. But like, if it's Joe and Tim, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Huh? Okay. Like, I want to see one of them get like <laughs> slapped and see what. But yeah, I'm not like I'm not going out of my way to watch that. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting uh, development. Uh, that I, I caught, uh, I think, John Morgan tweeting about earlier today. Um, all right, the other thing before we make the picks, apparently Dana says that uh, Volk is next for the lightweight title. Yeah, man, and I, I think this was Volk's, I'm not going to say master plan, but I think this was um, how, like, Volk is serious about this move up, and to, to prove it, he's like, I'm going to be the backup fighter for this fight. I'm like, this is the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. Uh, who li- who lives in is it New Zealand that he's in or or, or Australia? One of those. Um, I think it's he's, he lives in New- he lives in New Zealand. I get it mixed up all the time. But anyway, he's flying all the way to um, Abu Dhabi just to be the backup fighter. I think he deserves. I mean, like we saw Conor McGregor move up after winning the featherweight title with no title defenses. Volkanovski's defended the title what four or five times at this point. Uh, if, if he wants to go up. I mean, he's earned it. He has definitely earned it with how he's basically cleaned out the featherweight division. And it's not like he's going up to for, for money or anything like that. He wants to be active. He wants to build a legacy. He's doing it for all the right reasons. I mean, I think I've gained more respect for Volk just for how he goes about his business. Like, uh, I want to be active. If the featherweight division is not keeping me active, let me go fight at lightweight. I'll keep both divisions active. Like when he said that, I was like, wow, you're not going to find many people who are, who think like that. So, um, yeah, both deserves it. And I think both either, either fight, if it's Islam, if it's Charles, both fights against Volk are very, very interesting. Very interesting in terms of there's the chance that we could have a champ champ, but I think both stylistic matchups are big problems for Volk. Like I love that he's getting this opportunity. He is, absolutely proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he reigns supremely over the featherweight division. I think that you can't even make an argument for anybody at this point to even be the goat of that division above him, right? Like he is the guy stylistically though. I think Islam and and Charles Oliveira, either one are, are massive problems for him. So, but we'll see, man, we'll see. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. And look, Volk has made his career, his hall of fame career off of people like me, not thinking he has a chance. So, uh, maybe he will prove us all wrong again, but uh, I those two guys, I just those guys are problems for everybody. That's not even a whole <laughs> thing. Those those guys are problems for everyone. Uh, all right, UFC 280 on Saturday. So again, we had some fights fall off this card, but I figured the main card plus prelims: Bilal, Sean Brady, uh, Muradov, Bohailio, and Uzdemir Krylov. Is there a fight you want to add before we start? Nah, I think those uh, cover it. All right, so as far as our picks go, three prelims, five fights on the main card. 
And the first of the prelims that we will watch on Saturday is in the light heavyweight division. It is ranked light heavyweights Volkan Uzdemir and Nikita Krylov. Oddshark.com says Krylov is the minus 175 favorite, plus 145 for Uzdemir. Uh, man, you know, um, I feel like Krylov is a lot like uh, Brendan Allen. Um, he's very, very skilled, and he should be better um, than what he's been. But like, he's a he's a he's always a tough out, but he's inconsistent. Uh, but he's so talented that you're like, why are you so inconsistent when you when you should be so much better? Um, I think he wins the fights that he should win, but then when it comes to him leveling up and going up into the upper echelon, he kind of, um, he kind of fumbles, stumbles. So this is another one of those cases. And Uzdemir's fallen on some tough times himself. Um, you know, he came into the UFC, made a big splash, was knocking out everybody in, in, uh, in a short amount of time, fought DC probably too soon. And I feel like since then, he's just kind of been up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, that win against Paul Craig, Paul Craig, Craig. Um, that was a pretty good win. But I thought it was more of a, of what Paul Craig that we saw that day. I mean, I don't really I felt like Paul Craig was just really, really hesitant to stand with him. And I don't really feel like he should have been. I feel like if he would have brought the fight to him, we probably would have got a different result. But uh, it was a weird performance from Paul Craig. Um, so. Paul um, Craig beat Krylov, but Krylov's last loss, by the way, was to Paul Craig. Paul Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a very exciting fight yeah. where that uh, Krylov actually was winning until he just got caught uh, in a, in a, in what was it, a triangle? Something. Paul Craig just pulled up a submission. And I just felt like against Vulcan, he was just looking for, looking for that. Where against Krylov, Paul Craig just kind of uh, let that happen. He was trying to force it. But anyways, in terms of the fight, stylistically, I think it's going to be standing. I think Krylov might make some takedowns, but I think for the most part, uh, this will be a striking affair. And uh, I think if we see the Krylov that um, at his best, I think if both guys come at their best, I think Krylov is the better fighter. Um, Volkan has the power, so he can always end, end the night. But um, I think Krylov is more skilled, and I tend to always go for, uh, for the more skilled guys a little bit more. So I'm going to go with uh, Nikita Krylov on this one. If you take out the Gustafson fight in which Krylov just blitzed him and it was over before you could blink twice, um, these two guys have both fought the same two fighters in their last two, again, taking out the Gustafson fight. Both lost to Ankalaev, which, I mean, Ankalaev is uh, on the brink, maybe, of a title shot. And then they split. Krylov lost to Craig. Uzdemir beat Craig. And then uh, there you go. Um, I think Krylov's only 30, which is kind of shocking to me. Like, it feels yeah, he, like he's been around for a lot longer than... And, and he has been around for a while, but, again, he's only 30 years old. Like, maybe he's he's finally just putting it together. That could be part of this equation as well. Like, he's been up and down, but he's been a young guy, although he he has a ton of experience. Um, like, Charles Oliveira, in some ways, has, like, kind of shown us that you can't just equate somebody to the up-and-down nature of their career, especially early, uh, and not maybe recognize that you're still capable of putting it together when you mature to a degree. Um, Uzdemir's 33. I feel like they're just in different spots. Like, I feel like Krylov is still improving and getting better. Like, I, I kind of feel like Uzdemir is what Uzdemir is. Like, I don't know that there is a higher ceiling for Uzdemir, and that's not to take away the threat that he is. Um, but I, I feel like we've kind of seen, like, 
how high his level is, whereas I think Krylov is still elevating to find his ceiling. Um, this is an interesting one, but I will take, like you, the more well-rounded Nikita Krylov at 205. In the middle in the middleweight division, this is another really good fight. Mahmoud Muradov and Kayo Bohalio. Oddshark.com says that Kayo Bohalio is the minus two thirty favorite, plus one eighty three for Muradov. Well, this is a very dangerous fight for both guys. Um, Bohalio uh, has come into the UFC. I'm not going to say he's taken he's taken it by storm, but he's another prospect who's. Um, who could potentially have a bright future. I believe he came off of the contender series um, one uh, and he's won his first two. So, um, but I think uh, Mahmoud, um, he's very seasoned. Like he's got a lot of fights, um, very experienced. So um, I, while I think that Bojayo is the more skilled guy and um, he's got the higher ceiling, uh, I think experience could come uh, could come into play here if he's not careful, but I think that uh, Bojayo, at least right now, I think with his momentum and everything, um, I think he's. Uh, this is not one of those fights. I think that he'll slip. So uh, I think it's going to be very exciting, and if he's not careful, he could get caught. But uh, my picks and go with Kayo Bojayo. If this fight takes place on the feet, I think it's no question. It's Muradov, right? Like. And if it takes place on the mat, then it's no question it's Bohayo. Um I I just I fail to see how um Muradov prevents Bohayo from getting this fight to the ground. Uh but again, like he has the chance to end it uh with one big shot, but Bohayo is just I think too relentless and too good at getting the fight to the ground. Uh and once it's there, I think there's just a such a massive advantage that that is going to be the difference maker. So Bohayo for me also. All right, our feature prelim of UFC 280 is a fight in the welterweight division where the winner of this obviously is in an incredible spot going forward, and we'll see what ultimately happens next. But it is Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady, top 10 welterweights in the UFC. Sean Brady is your minus 150 favorite, Will, plus 125 for Bilal Muhammad. So I feel like um, stylistically... Uh, both like these guys kind of cancel each other out in terms of their strengths. Um, so I kind of took the strengths out of the equation and I kind of looked at everything else. Uh, looked at the striking, um, and I feel like the striking is a little is is close, but I kind of favored Bilal a little bit uh, with the striking. Uh, I felt like when Sean Brady fought Kiesa, he was really struggling with Kiesa when it when it came to the feet. When it came to striking, of course, Kiesa is is long, he's tall, but like he's never been the the greatest striker in the world. Um, but I think the thing that kind of because this was one of those fights I went back and forth on. I think the thing that I felt the most confident in uh, in terms of both of these guys is the gas tank, uh, and I think that Bilal Muhammad's gas tank I have more faith in. Now, the fact that this is a three round fight might negate the the gap might negate that altogether. And, you know, Sean Brady, um, I felt like he struggled with his gas tank against Kiesa. Um, but, you know, like I said, with this being three rounds, it might negate that. But um, I think I like Bilal with uh, with his experience. And um, if Sean Brady's going to try to grapple with him, I know Sean Brady's strong as hell. But I think that's kind of Bilal's world. Um, he's not a guy that really, that generally gets taken down much. So, um 
like I said, I went back and forth on this one a lot, and I'm just going to go ahead and make my pick to be Bilal Muhammad and keep it at that. So Bilal Muhammad's my pick. Very nice. This is a really fun fight. I have felt one way about this fight the entire time since it was announced, and I still feel that way, although I do think this is a really good fight. I think that you, just my opinion, I think you're underselling the striking difference here. Like, I think it's a pretty big, like, I think it's a big advantage for Bilal. Like, I think it's a very sizable advantage for him in that way. And I think his pressure as well uh, is something really interesting. But also where maybe we differ is I do think there is a pretty big difference on the ground. And I know that's one of Bilal's strengths. I just think, like, it's, like, that's what Sean Brady does. Like, that's almost all he does, right? Like, he's he's just really special in that one area where I think Bilal's good in that area. I just don't think he's like specialist in that area. So like, I kind of think about this fight and one, one area where I think Bilal gives everybody problems is just his pressure. But I feel like if you're constantly pressuring Sean Brady, you're inviting like this fight to, for him to get a hold of you. And for this fight to go to the mat where I do think there is a big advantage for Sean Brady. So this is a very fascinating chess match, but I think the sizable advantage on the ground for me is is for Sean Brady. And I, I, I'm very curious to see if I'm right and this thing does go to the mat, if it if it is, in fact, for Brady or if it's as close as you think it is. But I feel like Brady's special in that way, and I think Bilal's good in that way. Uh, so I'll take Sean Brady by decision, but I think this is going to be a fun fight. And again, I mean, this is a monumental fight in the welterweight division, right? Especially with how cluttered the top is and how... I don't know what they're going to do next, but, like, Usman, to a degree, has beat everybody else in that top five, not named Leon Edwards, right? So uh, after after the Edwards-Usman thing is settled, like, I, I don't know. Chima, we don't even know if Chimaev is, is going back to welterweight because of the weight miss. So this division is really interesting in terms of the title picture beyond the Usman-Edwards series, and the winner of this fight certainly is going to be in a big spot to maybe, I don't know, one fight away from having that opportunity. We'll see. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I agree, man. Um with with the names that are in front of these guys uh, in the top four, you know Gilbert, Colby, Usman, you know Leon is a champion, obviously. Um, with with there being such a holdup and everything, I feel like even though this fight should put them in title contention, they'll probably have to win another one. Yeah. But who's it going to be against is the is the better question. Uh, who's going to be the guy to come off of their ranking and actually give one of these guys a chance? So. But th- but in order to get there, they have to get through one another. So we'll see. This is, it's a very fun, very interesting fight. Um, a lot of questions will be answered about both of them in this fight. No doubt. And I love the fact that we are already on the opposite side of one of these fights before we even get to the main card. And it is a blockbuster of a main card for UFC 280. And it begins in the women's flyweight division. We have Caitlin Chukagian and Manon Furo. Oddshark.com has Furo as the minus 210 favorite, plus 170 for Chukagian. You know, I'm kind of, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you are, but I'm kind of surprised that Furo is a, like a, such a favorite. I mean, I would expect this to be more of a pick em. Uh, but man, uh, well, first of all, I think this fight's going to be a decision for sure. I think the, like I said, I think these two are basically mirrors of each other. Uh, I just think who is, of course, it seems like Furo is probably the more technical striker. 
But um, I think Chukagan has the experience. She's fought for the title. I mean, she's won uh, four in a row, four or five in a row since uh, since then. So um, she she had a close one with Hibas. Like that was the that was that one could have went either way. I think the speed um, and the surprising strength of Hibas at flyweight uh, gave Chukagan some trouble. Now with this fight, I mean, there's something with Firo where like. I understand, um, like, where the excitement is. But when I watch her fight, I mean, I've, I've, not, I've never been overly uh, impressed by her. Uh, and, you know, maybe she's saving her best performance for, you know, someone like Chukagan. But um, she's done what she's had to do. But I just haven't been overly uh, impressed by any of her performances. Um, Chukagan, I mean... I haven't been overly impressed by any of her performances either, but I just know, um, I, I guess I know what I'm going to get out of her. I mean, while she's trying to get better and everything, um, man, this one's tough, man. What do you go with? I feel like this is going to be more of like a, a split decision. And I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna go Furo. Um, she's fighting in Abu Dhabi, so I think that, you know, she, I, I think that that's probably gonna give her a little bit of a, of an edge. You know, she's she's she was a former UAE champion and everything, so yeah. maybe she's gonna be more acclimated to the time difference and everything. So yeah, just give me a Furo, man. Uh, I was going to think too much about it, so just give me fear. All right, I like it. Uh, this is a this is a fun fight, and you mentioned Shukagian and the Hebos fight. That was really interesting. Hebos, I think, fought better than anybody thought she was going to. Um, you know, she's so good on the ground, and you know, trying to get that takedown. Like this is going to be a standing fight, right? Like I, I'd be oh, yeah. shocked if either one of these yeah. threw a curveball and tried to take this thing to the mat. Um, so it it plays into the strength of both. Both don't necessarily have to worry in my mind too much about this thing going to the mat. There was only one clear separator for me in determining this fight. And it's the fact that Chuk Hagian has fought an incredible amount of high level talent, whereas Firo hasn't. And I think this is a good fight. I like, like you, like I, the, if you told me Firo was the favorite, fine, but like minus 210 to plus 170 seemed a little bit more lopsided than I would have guessed. Um, but I just, again, like, I think this is a good one, but Chukagian's proven time and time again against high-level talent, and, you know, we've not seen Furo nearly as much or against, I mean, her best win is Jennifer Meyer, right? The last time out. Yeah. So, um, I just, we've seen Chukagian deliver over and over and over. So I'll take Caitlin Chukagian in the uh, opener on the main card of UFC 280. All right, in the lightweight division, it's Benil Dariush and Matus Gamrot. Uh, Dariush, probably the guy that's been, um, I don't want to say screwed over, but the mm -hmm. odd man out maybe uh, more often than not in this 155 division, despite uh, what he brings in terms of resume into this fight. This is a, a fun one, uh, and I'm excited to hear your breakdown uh, before I make my selection. Matus Gamrot is the minus 200 favorite, plus 160 for Benil Dariush. Now, if you would have asked me um, a year ago about who I felt like would win this fight, 
I mean, I would be more along the lines of a skill for skill breakdown because, like, let's just call it what it is. Benil is as good of like good at everything as anyone in this division, like striking, knockout power, jujitsu, grappling. I mean, when Benil's at his best, he's could, he could be champion. Um, I still think that Benil versus Islam is a very, very interesting, intriguing fight that I hope we get to see uh, in the future. Um, and Gamrot, I mean, the, Gamrot's a dog. I mean, the way that he fought against uh, Sarukian, uh, the way he gutted it out in those championship rounds, I mean, that fight was just back and forth, a very, very high-level um, high level fight between those two. Uh, that Gamrod deserved to win. Both guys deserved to win. Nobody deserved to lose type thing. Um, so now we, we get here, and it's a very close fight on paper. But I think where um, I'm going to go, you know, Benil had that freak accident, that injury. And I just am very curious on how something like that will affect him in the octagon. Uh, and I don't know if he ended up having surgery or if he just rehabbed it. But uh, either way, that is a very substantial injury to have. And when you're jockeying for position in the lightweight division, as all of these guys are so good and continuously to get better, Gamrot's a young stud who's going to continue to get better, um, who's who has a gas tank, who who can pretty much do everything. Who's, he's pretty solid everywhere. Um, I just wonder about Benil and uh, how that injury affected him. So only because of that, not in terms of skill, not in terms of who wants it more or anything, just not knowing how that injury is going to affect his performances, especially the first one back, I'm going to go with Gamrot. Very nice. Uh, Benil Dariush in March told ESPN that he will avoid surgery and allow his injured leg to heal naturally. So there's the answer to that. No surgery for Benil Dariush. This is a, this is a fun one, and this is one like you I, I wrestled with a little bit. And like I kind of went back to the Sarukian fight for Gamrot and you know I thought Sarukian was going to win that fight um I don't I don't remit like I'll, I need to go back and rewatch that one because I can't remember which way I scored it uh but I I remember it being a really close fight um the big difference here is I I think like while Dariush is really good everywhere on the feet like I think Gamrot is clearly the guy with the edge right I think that Dariush's path to victory here is getting this fight to the ground you know, and so I, I thought about the Sarukian fight and where I think, you know, Benil is three inches taller than Sarukian. He has a longer reach and he's just a beefier guy in general, right? Like there's just a lot more, I feel like, to Benil Dariush than, than Armand Sarukian. So I, I don't think Gamrot will have nearly as easy a time or I shouldn't say easy. Um, I don't think that I think it'll be much tougher for Gamrot to avoid Dariush getting him to the ground than than Sarukian. Um, and look, even if it is on the feet, like, I think that's edge for Gamrot, but Dariush is a psychopath, man. Like, he's, uh, he, he could absolutely um, just throw down, and we've seen him get into just all-out brawls. We know he can take punches, and we know that he can deliver right back. Uh, I, to me, there's just more, I think, on the side of Benil Dariush in terms of path to victory than there is for Gamrot. But this is going to be a fun one, and, uh, man, th like, you could make the argument, as cra as overlooked as this fight is, like, this... If you told me this was fight of the night at the end of the card on Saturday, I wouldn't be shocked at all, right? Like, that's how good this card is and how overlooked this fight is. But I'll take Benil Dariush. 
All right, our next fight is at 135. It is in the bantamweight division, as I say, almost every single fight card. And look, shame on the UFC if they don't have a bantamweight fight on every fight card at this point. Death taxes <laughs> and bantamweights. It is the former champion, Pewter Yawn, and, I mean, one of the biggest stars, I think it's easy to say, one of the top 10 biggest stars in the entire promotion, Sean O'Malley, getting his big opportunity. Oddshark.com has Yawn as a minus 290 favorite, plus 230 for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Yeah, so as I thought more about this fight, um, definitely thought that this is a very stylistically pleasing match for Sean O'Malley because from what we've seen from Peter Yan, this is a guy who uh, is more so a boxer. Um, he throws leg kicks you know, here and there, but he's a guy who starts slow, collects data in the first round, and then kind of picks it up you know, as time goes on. Um, but Sean O'Malley with his length, with his feints, with his striking, I mean, he could make this very interesting. Um, if, if I were Sean O'Malley, I would attack the body because Jan's going to protect the hell out of his face. Uh, if I were O'Malley, I would go after the body. I'd go after the legs. And maybe, you know, you that opens up the face. I think that as we've seen with Jan in multiple fights, I think he'll lose this first round. And if I'm Sean O'Malley, I'm starting fast and I'm trying to I'm trying to land that shot to get Jan out of there early or to at least just change Peter Jan's um, data collecting, I guess I'll say, like just just to change it, to throw him completely off. If I'm O'Malley, I'm trying to start fast. And if I'm if I'm Peter Jan, um, I would mix in some wrestling. I, I mean, I would throw O'Malley off while O'Malley's trying to get um, a knockout, a, a spectacular knockout. Um, I, if I'm Jan, I'm throwing in, uh, some, some graphing just to keep them honest, you know, um, it may not be something that you revert to and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm a wrestler now, but it's just like, like Sanhagen did with, um, Song Yudong. who did he fight last? Song Yudong. Yeah. yeah just introduce that into the equation. And then I think, you know, that would work well for Peter Jan. So, oh man, I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, but, um, I think in a fight like this, Peter Yan just has more big fight experience. Um, with this being three rounds, I think that favor that does favor O'Malley. But um, I just think that Yan, with his uh, three, with his experience, with his championship level experience, with all the guys that he's fought, um, Sanhagen, Aljo. I mean, he's fought, he's fought, he's fought them all. Aldo, um, and O'Malley's still working his way up, and we still don't know. I mean, we know the guy is good. But we don't. There's still a lot of questions out there that need to be answered for Sean O'Malley. So for me, um, I'm more confident in picking Peter Yan uh, in this one. But this is a very dangerous fight for sure. The minute this fight was announced, I was totally fascinated by it. And look, the odds suggest what I think the initial reaction to this fight's announcement was, which is you know Peter Yan on a whole different level than Sean O'Malley. But what we've seen of Peter Yan is the style that is going to allow Sean O'Malley to fight his best fight. Now, that doesn't mean it's a Sean O'Malley win. It just means that Peter Yan is going to fight the kind of fight that Sean O'Malley thrives in. The question is, can he thrive against this guy? Uh, I mean, massive height advantage, right? Like, I think four inches. I think there's like a five or six inch reach advantage for O'Malley, not to mention the kick arsenal that is there. Um, this one is, is really interesting, and you just made a great point that I was going to bring up. If this were a five-round fight, like, I'm not even torn. Like, I, I, I'm going to go Peter Yawn 
just because how many times against high-level competition have we seen him just get better and better and better as the fight goes on, right? Like, by the fourth and fifth rounds, he looks like an animal, and you start to see the other guy fading drastically. So um, the three-round fight definitely makes this more interesting to me than it would be in a five-round fight. I think there is a massive advantage for Sean O'Malley in terms of the, the reach, uh, the kicks, and like you mentioned, the takedowns. If Jan can get there, uh, yeah, take him down, because I think you could probably win the fight that way. I just don't know that, again, with the with Sean O'Malley using distance management and his length, that, that, that Jan's going to have those opportunities. Um, Jan is so good defensively, too. Like, that's another part of this, where he, he just, he's so good defensively that, you know, we're going to get to see Sean O'Malley throw the whole arsenal, and we'll find out how skilled he is offensively, right, against a guy that might be the best defensive fighter in this entire division on the feet. Um, you mentioned more questions, and that, that to me is where this all ends. We've seen Sean O'Malley fight two really high-level guys, right? Like, he's got some good fights in there. Like, Holly and Paiva is a good fight, but Holly and Paiva is not high-level. Like, he's fought two high-level guys. One was Cheeto Vera. And, you know, like, say what you want. Like, that fight ended and not in O'Malley's favor. Um, and then Pedro Munoz. That one also, weird ending, right? But, like, I scored that Pedro Munoz in round one. I, I just, I don't know what to expect in terms of how Sean O'Malley is going to do against this level fighter. I do know stylistically he's going to have the opportunity to shine. Like, if this were Sean O'Malley Marab, right? Like, Sean O'Malley might not even have the opportunity to display the skill set because Marab's style could potentially take that out of the equation for 15 full minutes. Peter Yan is going to fight the kind of fight that I, I would imagine allows Sean O'Malley to fight his fight. It's just then the question is, can he perform on the level we've seen him against a guy to the level of Peter Yan? Um, I haven't seen enough in those two high-level fights that he has to say yes to that question. This is a slight lean to Peter Yan, but it like I don't like the minus 290 here. Like I don't like it. Like that's that's wild to me that it's that lopsided, but We'll see what happens, man. Give me Pewter Yawn over Sean O'Malley. But I'm, I'm really, stylistically, I'm really looking forward to this one. All right, the co-main event is also in the bantamweight division. So maybe twice on this main card, I will be tweeting on Saturday, death taxes and bantamweights. It is for the UFC bantamweight championship. It is Aljamain Sterling and former champion TJ Dillashaw. Oddshark.com says Aljo is your minus 179 favorite, plus 142 for TJ Dillashaw. Talk about two different stylistic fights, like from Peter Young and Sean O'Malley to TJ and Aljo. Like those are two completely different fights, but it's what makes bantamweight special, man. But anyway, uh, so where do I even start? Okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, of course, you start with the champion Aljo and his wrestling. Uh, I think that he has proven that he's the best wrestler grappler in the division i mean i know marab is up there too but it's like i don't feel like i can put them in the same conversation because they're you know they're training partners but like aljo's the champion he proved he's proven like when you beat a guy like peter yan um of course it was a split decision but he did a lot of good things with that body triangle of course he didn't he didn't finish it he kind of just uh held the position um and a lot of people are questioning if some of those rounds that Aljo won are 10-8s. I didn't give him 10-8s because the activity wasn't really there. But um, it, it, he was able to control 
um, Peter Yan for a, a long period of time. 100%. Um, he's got uh, unorthodox striking, but um, a lot of it is a lot of a lot of it is good for him because of his length. You know, he's got some solid length for this division. Uh, he's able to use you know uh, kicks to um, to uh, to manage distance and everything. And then, uh, you know, the shot will come as, you know, they're trying to close the, the distance. So Aldo's really, really good. Um, now, TJ, like, before the whole EPO and the time off suspension and everything, like, this was – he was running away with being the greatest bantamweight of all time. I, I feel like he was building that resume up to be the greatest bantamweight of all time. Um you know, his kicks and he's got some solid wrestling, his movement. I think that's the best thing about TJ is his movement. That's what separates him, uh, his mentality as well. Uh, TJ, uh, very, very skilled for, the, for, for this division. My question where um, I feel a little bit of confidence, uh, TJ's been out of the game for two years with that suspension. Then he fights Corey Sanhagen in a fight where – Let's be real. He got his ass kicked, but he was able to hold Corey up against the fence and, you know, gain, you know, some octagon control. Um, but Bad decision. let's be real in the street. Yeah. In, in the street, <laughs> like Corey Sanhagen won that shit 10, seven, 10, six. I still think you know? he won but, it in the octagon too, but you know, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that octagon control counts for a lot, man, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, TJ did what he had to do to win. I mean, he fought on one leg. He had a nasty cut on his eye. So like he's got the guy's got heart. But um, after that fight, you know, it's been almost a year and a half since we've seen him. Uh, and, you know, same thing with Benil, kind of, you know, I wonder what kind of I mean, I, I wonder more about Benil, but I know what I'm going to get from TJ. I just don't know how effective it's going to be. Um TJ's still going to be moving. He's still going to be throwing his kicks, you know. Uh, but I feel like in terms of the grappling and the wrestling and stuff, I think Aljo just has that advantage. Uh, but if this fight's able to stay standing, I think TJ uh, has the advantage there. But um, I just don't know how effective he's going to be um, now f- fighting a guy as tall as Aljo who can also wrestle. So, like, if if TJ finds himself in danger, he's not just going to be able to hold Aljo up against the fence. Like, Aljo's going to be gonna wrestle with him so um yeah man um i think that injury kind of changed things for me and you know i don't know how elite tj is at this point after basically three and a half years off he fought one time in a fight where he got his ass kicked uh give me aljo man i think it'll be a a decision probably and i think it's going to be a really good fight um maybe not really good not like a banger. It's not going to be a banger, but right. I think skill-wise, it's going to be solid. So, uh, yeah, give me Aljo by decision. This was... In a, in, in a fight where you might possibly say, that fight sucked. <laughs> that is a very real possibility, my friend. That is a... There's a very real chance that collectively, UFC Twitter is going to be like, that fight sucked on, on Saturday. <laughs> this is the fight that I had the least issue picking a winner with. Like the like, I wasn't conflicted at all. Were you conflicted at all in this one, in making your choice? Nah. Yeah, I wasn't. I'm not conflicted in this fight whatsoever. Uh, it's gonna be Aljo for me. And look, before I even get into that, Corey Sanhagen won that fight. By the way, Corey <laughs> Sanhagen won that fight in the street. Corey Sanhagen won that fight in the octagon. 
I am convicted about this. I was convicted about it when we did the podcast after that fight card. Corey Sanhagen won that fight, and it is absolute lunacy that anybody would score holding on to somebody over damage. Over the, like that, mind blowing. Anyway, like, so dumb. Get your ass kicked, but you you hug the guy, and it, it results in a win. Like you literally didn't do anything to the opponent. Like that, it's a fight. Uh, anyway. Styles make fights, and Aljo is a completely different matchup than Corey Sanhagen. So nothing from the Sanhagen fight for me necessarily like equates to this matchup. There is a very obvious and clear advantage for Aljo in the grappling department, right? Like, I don't even think it's close. I'm not saying that, like, Aljo will for sure get the finish there, but I think he absolutely dominates the fight in that regard if, if the fight takes place there. On the feet, I think this one is really interesting because we we all agree, like, TJ's the more skilled striker of these two. But the combination of Aljo's length, and I think he, he has a big reach advantage in this fight as well, and I think the amount of the significance in which TJ is going to have to pay attention to takedowns, right? Like, we see this all the time. Sometimes guys that are, like, significantly better grapplers get the better of a guy on the feet because... That guy's so worried about being taken down that he can't, like, fully open up the arsenal, right? Like, I don't think TJ can can just completely forget about take... Like, he's going to have to guard himself against the takedown, which allows, I think, the striking advantage to be neutralized on top of the fact that Aljo athletically is very gifted. He's very quick. He's very explosive in terms of athleticism. Not, not from a knockout-type standpoint, but just in terms of movements. Um... He, we've seen him use the leg kicks. We've seen him, uh, you know, dart in and out. Like, I think the striking advantage is significantly neutralized because of fear of takedowns, Aljo's athleticism, and Aljo's reach advantage. So even from that regard, if this fight never reaches the mat, like, it's somewhat of a coin flip, and that, that also is a very intriguing possibility. Gas tank is another interesting dynamic here. You know Aljo has it. I'm not saying TJ doesn't. But lack of octagon time, again, could be something where, you know, maybe maybe that shows itself later in this fight. Again, I haven't been conflicted about this fight whatsoever. I just, there's so many more advantages on the Aljo side of this fight than there, there is for the TJ side. So, and still, Aljamain Sterling on Saturday in the Bantamweight division. But you're absolutely right, Will. This could be one of those fights where, at the end of it, everybody's like, that <laughs> fight sucked. Yeah, because Aljo... Aljo's going to do what it takes to win. We saw that with Peter Yan. Yeah. He held him in a in a body triangle for two rounds. <laughs> and uh, he's going to do what it takes to win. If that if that means holding TJ in a body triangle for five rounds, he's going to do that. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it could definitely be like, oh, my gosh. And, and especially if there's been, like, chaos leading up to that fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. People are going to – because, like, look at what the fight was before Aljo fought uh, Peter Yan. It was Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Shemaya. So of course, people are wanting blood, and they and they're getting Aljo uh, wrapping them in a body triangle. So yeah. yeah, if we've seen chaos, it's going to be the same thing. And he will not be bothered by people booing not, for not five full minutes in a round if he has an advantage. He he plays the villain role really well, by the way. I like I I respect the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a role that he just kind of fell into after the the knee from, yeah, from young but yeah yeah it was it wasn't his fault but he's just like well if y'all want to y'all want to treat me like the villain i'll, I'll be the villain into, and yeah, now just, people just love love to hate him i guess it's <laughs> not even like he he plays the villain role well it's that he trolls 
the people that villainize him really well. Maybe maybe that's the better way to phrase it. But uh, yeah, I I like this fight. And uh, I by the way, is it not crazy? And I know I know the reason why there have been you know so many situations with both guys. But is it is it not crazy that we've not had a TJ Dom rematch? Yeah, I mean, you would you would think that, especially after how close that first fight was, that um, we would have got a rematch for the title. But of course, right when we were about to get it, Cody, you know, Cody beat Dom, and then yeah. Dom got hurt. You know, TJ beats Cody, and then Dom, you know, right. It, it just never really materialized. Injuries but, yeah. and suspensions, and like again, I know all the reasons yeah. why, but it's just it's still crazy that, I mean, these two, you know, suspension and and cheating aside. Like these two guys, you can argue, have been the, the the premier guys of this division since its inception. But I, I anticipate that we'll we'll get that at, at some point for sure. All right, man. I have been waiting so long to talk about this fight. I have been more conflicted about this main event than maybe any fight that we have discussed in a very, very long time. For the lightweight championship of the world. Your UFC 280 main event, Charles Oliveira and Islam Mahashev. Oddshark.com has Islam as the minus 170 favorite, plus 135 for Dubronx. Yeah, man. Uh, I I was conflict. Yeah, I've been conflicted on this fight for a long time. For months, um, I had I had my mindset on one guy, and then it changed for a while, and I was set on this guy for months. Literally earlier today, my mind changed again, and I'm going to not try to talk myself out of the pick that I'm going to make, but I would like to give a brief little breakdown of uh, so Islam's wrestling, I mean, that's such a, his graphic, that's such a big story in the fight. Because if he gets a hold of Charles, and, like, how strong is he going to be on the ground? Is he going to be able to posture up and land strikes? Or is, like, the, the margin for error for Islam on the ground, like, he can't make any mistakes because if he does, it's over. Um, on the feet, I think that Charles is, I'm not going to say clearly, but Charles is a better striker on the feet than Islam. He's, a, he's got the power. He's got the kicks. He's got the knees. Like we've seen the, over this reign, we've seen the complete arsenal out of Charles Oliveira. Um, I might have just changed my mind again. Shit. Uh, goodness um, make your pick if, if how I'm, about this make your pick and then sell it to me maybe that'll be the better way to do it i don't want to make my pick now see if i, I should have let see, you should have just made your pick because you're this is what you do I you always talk yourself pick. out of what you're thinking yeah yeah, yeah. okay well, okay i'm i'm back on my pick i'm not going right. off of it. anyway if islam just grabs a hold of him like normally when he when he uh when he like if he take if it's a body lock Charles is not going to get out of that. There's no way that he's really going to be able to wrap up a submission. And if Islam gets him down and gets him in this like side control and stuff, and he's able to uh, land ground and pound from there, like, I, you know, it, it, it's all a matter of positioning. Like this fight could go so many different ways, but I think what sold me on um, the guy I'm picking is um, 
you know, I just think in terms of being coachable, I think that's such that's something that's so huge in this sport, especially when you have the type of coaches that Islam has. He does exactly what they tell him to do. He he doesn't like I haven't seen Islam make many mistakes. And when he did make a mistake, um, he, he paid for it. He did get knocked out uh, early on in his career. I, I think that this first round is going to be very chaotic because I do think Charles is going to run across the cage and get in his face like he always does. I don't think that's going to change. Um, so I think Islam's going to have to stay, um, stay like the margin for error, like it's all over in that first round. But I think after that first round, and especially if this round goes into the, the later rounds, I feel like Islam, his pressure, his takedowns, I think that's going to add up at some point. And I know people have talked about Charles quitting and everything, and I think we've made that a thing of the past, but I think Islam's style over the course of time is the type of style that's going to bring out that type of um, quit. If that's still in there, I think Islam's style over the course of time is going to be what brings that out. Um, of course, Charles is dangerous, and... I, I hate that I'm picking against him because I really like what Charles has, has done um, over this reign. And I told myself, I literally told myself I'm not picking against him in this fight. But, man, um, I just think that over the course of time, I think it's going to be like they're going to be playing chess. And over the course of time, like Islam's pressure, and I think Islam's going to get him down. And as the rounds pile up, those submissions are going to become desperate. And like while he could catch him, I think like he's going to be getting beaten up. And, you know, so. Yeah, man. Uh, give me Islam, man. Uh, and like, I just feel like it's just too late. Like we we should have appreciated Charles way before this. But like now people are starting to appreciate him and he's got like a, a big following and, and fan support and everything. And now I feel like it's probably too late. And now Islam is going to start his reign right when we're about to appreciate what Charles has brought to the table. So my pick's Islam, uh, but it hurts me. I just want to give us credit real quick. Going back to like mid-2020, this podcast, both voices on this podcast have proclaimed for over two years now, Islam Mahashev is a future champion. Like, I feel like we were on it before it was like the, the thing to do, right? Like, we've been on this for a while. And as I say that, I'm not taking Islam Mahashev in this fight. I think, we rare, this is funny, we rarely disagree. Like, we are so like-minded, I think, in terms of how we see fights and I feel like in on this card, we've we've been on the opposite side of a lot of things. Like, I think there is a significant advantage in the striking between Charles and Islam. Like, I don't I think it's a problem for Islam in this fight, if I'm being honest. Um like we've seen Charles stand with the best that this sport has to offer at, at any division, right? Like on the feet. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. Michael Chandler, like those guys are as dangerous as anybody in their divisions on the feet. And Charles has stood with all of them. Like, I, I, I think Islam is in a world of hurt if he decides to, to, to trade on the feet. Um, I would also say this. I think the Islam hype train, 
like not that I'm I'm saying that it, it's not the hype isn't warranted because I we like I I just gave us both credit for being on that hype train two years ago, but I feel like the wins over Dan Hooker and Bobby Green kind of accelerated it, and look, I think those guys are both awesome. I'm a big fan of both guys. Neither one of those guys brings anything to the ground game, right? Like we both said on both of those fights. Like, that fight is only going to be fun for as long as it takes Islam to take that guy down, and it might be very, very quickly, and as soon as it hits the mat, it'll probably be finished relatively fast. Like, those guys don't bring any sort of of uh, ground game, anything, like defense or anything, right? Like, though he got those guys down and finished them. Easy. Go back to the previous two fights that he had against Tiago Moises and Drew Dober. Guys that do bring something to the ground. Also, guys that I think in that division are just stronger, right? Like, Dan Hooker and Bobby Green are both very skilled guys, but they're not, like, strong guys, right? Like, in terms of 155. And, like, Drew Dober's a strong guy. Tiago Moises is a strong guy. Both of those guys have ground games. Charles Oliveira has a ground game. Charles Oliveira is very strong in this division. Uh, Charles Oliveira is going to have a reach advantage, uh, he is dangerous on the ground, even if even if it even if he's being controlled. Um, I just you know I don't see Islam even if he does get Charles down, like just manhandling him. Like could he win on the ground? Absolutely, but it's not going to be just the I think all out suffocation like we saw with Dan Hooker and Bobby Green. Charles Oliveira is on a whole different level. Charles Oliveira just a is stronger than those guys, and you can't make a mistake. If you make a mistake, this is the promotions all-time leader in submission wins. Like, there are so many paths for me for Charles Oliveira to win this fight, whether it's on the feet, whether it's getting a submission. I think the only path for Islam to win is what Islam does best, and he does it better than anybody in this division, but I'm also not convinced that he's just going to be able to manhandle Charles Oliveira. Like, I think he can win it that way, but it's not going to just be like, get Bobby Green down, and then you just he has nothing for you. Um, I can't wait for this fight, man. I'm so geeked about this fight. This is, I think, as intriguing a fight as anything we've watched in a long time in this entire sport. Saturday night is going to be a t or Saturday afternoon, I should say, given the, the time difference. It's going to be a ton of fun. Give me Charles Dubronx Oliveira getting his belt back after that bullshit weight thing. Charles Oliveira is your champion. I really hope that Charles wins. I really do. Uh, I I don't have like I've grown to really enjoy watching Charles fight. That guy is so skilled, but a lot of these fights that he's had um, as of late, Chandler, Poirier, um, Gaethje. Gaethje ended in round one. Chandler ended in round two. Um, I'm Poirier ended in round three. Yep. And a lot of the a lot of those like he 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 fought he faced. Uh, adversity in terms of striking and stuff but in terms of like continuously fighting off shots getting tired and like where it's it's like never going to end that's something I don't, I don't feel like charles has had to deal with no. uh lately because like nobody wants to mess with charles on the ground dustin does it chandler does not right. i mean chandler was down there for a round with him surprisingly but I just think that uh, over the course of time, I think that Charles is going to come out and he's going to come out gunning like we've seen him come out. And I think that Tr Islam is going to survive. And I think 
it's going to go into the later stages of the fight and Islam is going to take over. That's my prediction. I And I think if Charles is going to win this fight, it's going to be early like he's been doing. But I think as it goes on, I think uh, Islam's going to take over. But come on, Charles, man. Yeah. Just put one on the chin and uh, get out of there with your belt, brother. <laughs> yeah. I Look, Gas Tank is, is the one where I think, um, again, we don't know, but that's the one where I would say it's definitely advantage Mahashev based on, on what we've watched. Um, I just, you know, like, I just don't think it's going to just be an all-out brawl or mauling on the ground if it does get there early. Like, Charles Oliveira is so much more skilled than than any of the guys um, Islam has fought to this point. He's so much stronger. Like, that's one of the other... Like, nobody gives Charles Oliveira credit for how strong he is in that division. Like, he, how big has he looked these last few fights? The dude yeah, looks that's massive. A, that's a factor, for sure. Like, I just, I just don't... Like, Islam is better down there, but Islam has just thrown people around like ragdolls. Like, I don't think he's just going to throw this guy around like he has everybody else. And if he does and maybe gets a little bit reckless, this guy will submit you. Like, that's the other thing. Like, there's a there's a proceed with caution element, I think, to Islam's attack here because of what Charles brings that maybe in some way it slightly takes away, you know, that mauling element that he has obviously shown every single time he's been in the octagon. It is going to be fun, man. Like I told, I've been so torn on this one all the way. And then like, I talked myself into Charles Oliveira today and I'm not entertaining the other side. Cause I've, I've, I've decided that's the way I'm going. Yeah. Same here. I've decided, <laughs> even though I really want, like, it's one of those heart mind things. Like yeah. my heart really wants Charles to win, but my mind's telling me like, uh, Islam might make this look easy. So, um, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. This fight could go in so many different ways, man. I mean, Charles, like you said, he's a finisher, and he's looked at—he's—he's he's looked at like one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world as of late. Um, but I mean, Islam in his style, man. I, I mean, that's the jujitsu guy's kryptonite is the guy with a style like Islam, the wrestler who uh, does all that controlling and stuff. But he, you know, if he makes a mistake, he could fall into a triangle or armbar or something, and Charles is going to be throwing those submissions up while he's on the ground. So I don't know, man. This, this, I mean, for as much as we all wanted Habib and Tony to happen, because it's a very similar type of fight, right? Like I didn't feel like that one was as close as this one. Like I, like I always thought, like I wanted to see that fight, but I always felt like Habib's clear advantage, like outweighed the things that Tony brought to the table. Like, this one, I, I like the margin is so thin. Like I, I don't. That one, I feel like had a gap. This one, not much. Yeah, I honestly, I mean, I know Tony's fallen on some hard times, but back then, I actually liked Tony in about every fight. But against Khabib, yeah, I mean, I know that he was going to be throwing elbows from the bottom, but outside of that, I didn't really feel like he was going to do much um, submission. Like, he doesn't have a, a submission ground game like uh, Charles Oliveira does. Right. Like, Charles Oliveira is definitely a, a more dangerous matchup for Khabib than Tony Ferguson was when he was on that way. By a billion street. years. By a billion, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Charles has power. Uh, like, yeah. Tony was great. But Tony was never going to knock you out. Like, Charles can knock you out. No. Tony can submit yeah. you, but it's not like it's not like a giant weapon in the arsenal. Charles Oliveira is literally the best that's ever done it in the UFC. <laughs> 
like it's job. yeah like it's they're very different i think in terms of how they match up with what some consider to be kind of the same guy right in islam and, and khabib and he and, and charles literally rocked justin gaethje with the first punch he threw i mean that's i mean if he rocks islam with the first punch he throws <laughs> all bets are off for, uh, at that point man oh goodness uh yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I fully expect Charles to be coming out guns blazing, though. I just think that Islam is going to be coached well enough to uh, to survive it or to find a way through it. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Let me just say something. I want Charles to win, though. This, is, this is a joke and not serious, but when you say well-coached, I heard his coaches say that he's one of the best strikers in the lightweight division. So, I mean, what do those guys really know? Now, which, the, who said that? Oh, there was like a, there was a, a quote on, somebody <laughs> tweeted it like a month ago or something. Like, is, yeah, and I was like, if that's real, like I said, I'm, I mean this as a joke. I'm not being serious at all. So Right, 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 right. Yeah, right, right, but right. like, th- yeah, there's no way that anybody can consider Islam to be one of the best strikers in, in this division, right? Like, I mean, nobody I, actually I, thinks that. I haven't seen anything that would make me say that Islam is top 20. <laughs> in terms of striking i mean i don't i mean I, i've seen him throw up like head kicks and shots and like some strikes and stuff but it's nothing that's been like oh wow like islam's really got something i mean the most that i've seen is like people have said that islam is the better striker than khabib that might be true but khabib wasn't the yeah. greatest striker in the world himself right. so it really isn't saying much and that's even marginal i think based on what we've seen like maybe he shows that in like camp but in terms of, like, in the octagon, like, okay, if you want to sell that, fine. But I, I've not seen anything that would just say, like, it's overwhelming. Like, they're both kind of the same guy, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I'll say this. Like, Islam will throw, I'm not even say land, he will throw head kicks to where, yeah. like, it didn't seem like Khabib could get his leg up that high, <laughs> to be honest with you. So, um, yeah, I think Islam will throw up more head kicks. But outside of that, I mean, I don't really see much of anything to where... You know, he ha- he's that much better than Khabib. I've seen Khabib rock Conor McGregor for to give credit to Khabib. Yeah. I haven't seen Islam rock anybody. Exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I I don't know. Um, by the way, there sometimes every once in a while you get one of those you see like somebody tweet like, I'd like to see Khabib against insert name here. Like right after he retired, there was quite a bit of the like Khabib GSP stuff out there. You notice how there hasn't been anything in a long time. You know why that is? Khabib looks happy as hell not having to cut weight. <laughs> And tre- like that dude is never fighting again, never no. fighting again. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think that he would be able to make 155 um, anytime soon. I mean, that guy, that guy's cheeks look like they've gained about 50 pounds. And then you know, he, yeah, Khabib is enjoying retirement. Yeah. He's enjoying coaching these guys. He's enjoying not having to cut any weight. I think he's fully um, left the, the the fighting life. In terms of being a fighter himself, he's left it behind. Yeah. But let me ask you this, uh, now that you brought up Khabib. A lot of people have said Khabib is the greatest lightweight of all time, undefeated. He's def- he defended the title. Um, well, how many times would that have been? Connor, Dustin, Gaethje. Was there another one in there? I feel like there was. I think it might have been just three because he beat Al Quinta for the belt, but... Was it just, man, that's, that's wild. If yeah, Connor, Dustin, and Justin. Just, okay. 
beat I Quinta. He uh, he beat Michael Johnson. Um, but outside of outside of those fights, um, he hasn't fought too many like big time names. RDA, but a lot Michael of Johnson, saying, Barboza, Iaquinta. But yeah. But yeah, so he hasn't fought many big time names. But of course, like we we recognize, like this guy is the greatest lightweight of all time, undefeated, all that stuff. Has Charles Oliveira surpassed him as the greatest lightweight of all time, just in terms of resume? I know he's not undefeated, but in terms of resume, the guys that he's beat on this winning streak, he's defended the belt twice. Well, he beat Chandler for the belt and then defended it against Dustin, and then the weight thing against Gaethje technically isn't, like, that's the part that sucks, right? Yeah, but we all acknowledge yeah, that he... Yeah, <laughs> I would say, like, nobody is ever probably going to, like, Charles Oliveira, I think, would have to go on an incredible run that may have to go beyond just Islam to maybe get credit for that because, and you referenced this earlier, like it's ne that stigma is never going to go away. Like what he used to be, right? Like people will talk about how great he is now, but in terms of saying like, he's the best lightweight champion ever. I think a lot of people will still say, but what about what he used to be? Right. Whereas Khabib finished undefeated and like, we never saw the guy lose. So that probably works against Charles Oliveira, but I would say this, like, if he beats Islam, I, I, I don't know that I could just say yes right now. It's comparable, obviously. But if he beats Islam, like, there's a very real case to be made. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I think if he beats Islam, I, I, for me personally, I would put him probably as the greatest lightweight of all time because... Yes, Khabib is undefeated, and, that, and that's great and everything. But in terms of the resume, in terms of the people that he's beat, I think that um, if you add Islam to the names that he's that Charles has beat, I think that uh, Charles edges Khabib. Yeah. Um, but the fact that Khabib is um, undefeated, of course, plays uh, into into that. But if Charles is able to to derail the hype train of Islam, I mean, I. I I don't know, man. It's it's gonna be tough for me to just say like Khabib is uh the greatest lightweight ever. I, I don't know, man. I, I guess I'll have to see on uh, let's how see how the fight done. goes this, and like you know yeah, let's see how the fight yeah. goes. If he but wins dominantly, Charles If he wins dominantly, like it it might be one of those like oh, okay like. But I I would say this. It might be just fair to say Khabib is the greatest lightweight champion ever, and it might be fair to say that Charles has had the greatest lightweight run ever. Because look at this, I mean, yeah. the win streak goes back a ways, but just look at the high-level guys at the end of this. Kevin Lee, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, and then Islam Mahashev, if if he gets the win. None yeah. of those guys being being beat, like, like he got Tony before Tony was on this losing streak. Like, Tony was still a very dangerous guy at that point and completely dominated him. Yeah. I mean, Kevin Lee it was coming off of that big win against uh, yeah. Gregor Gillespie. Uh, Tony ha had just fought for the interim title. Michael Chandler had just beat Dan Hooker. Dustin Poirier had just come off the trilogy with McGregor. Justin Gaethje had had won. Uh, he had beat Michael Chandler. He uh, had been he had won like five in a row. I mean, yeah, I think his wins have aged really, really, really well, well in terms of Charles. Um, of course. Uh, like Khabib, you know, fought Connor when Connor was still technically double champion, 
but you know connor just had been off for a couple years um dustin had just won the interim title from max gaethje had just uh who did he beat um tony he had just beat tony yeah so and then he lost to to khabib but and then he lost to khabib but i'm saying like khabib uh his reign, I feel like his wins, they're solid, but if you put, if you stack them up against Oliveira's, I think Oliveira's resume. So, yeah, you're right. In terms of the lightweight run, I think Charles just stands out above the pack. I mean, and that goes for, like, everyone, every lightweight that there's ever been outside of, like, a BJ Penn. Yeah. Uh, Charles's, Charles's lightweight run, I mean, and then you can put Tony in there, too, but, like. Tony's run hasn't aged as well, though. Like when you look at the it names, hasn't. it hasn't aged nearly as well. It, it, it hasn't aged well, but I think you still put you can still put him up there. For sure. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. He may, maybe he's not a Mount Rushmore guy, but like he's probably right on the cusp. Yeah. Khabib also like Khabib took down the supernatural Conor McGregor when Conor McGregor seemed like he was the biggest thing on planet Earth, right? Yeah, uh, one thousand percent. Like that probably also really gives could be like, you know, Connor had lost to Nate. I think what a year or two before, at one seventy, yeah. right? But like, yeah, at one fifty five, like I think that going into that fight, like the thought was still like Connor's a su- like a superhero. Yeah, because the last time that we had seen him in the octagon was Eddie Alvarez, like, and then yeah. he went to fight Floyd. Right. But before that, I mean, people were people still remember that masterclass of a, of a performance from Connor. Yeah. So he had avenged um, the Nate fight he, and then yeah, beat Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Right. So you, so people are, of course, like you were watching back then, like Connor Khabib was the biggest fight of in UFC history. Right. Like everyone was, I mean, that was the most watched pay-per-view of all time. So in terms of star Khabib power, nearly yeah, tore Khabib, his head off. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Khabib, in terms of star power, wipes all of these guys out of the yeah. out of the water. Like Khabib is number one, but I think if you look closely towards the resume, I think you can give Charles a little bit, sure. um, a little bit of love for his lightweight run. And I'm not gonna say he's never going to reach the stardom of Khabib unless like he fights Connor. Like maybe he'll get close. But I mean, uh, Charles is, is gaining some fans. I mean, I think we're starting to respect what he's done. The problem is. He's fighting Islam, and it all might just come to a screeching halt right now. Let's we'll end here, just kind of sticking to the same kind of conversation. On the flip side of that, I hear some people say they think Islam's better than Khabib. We've both, again, we've both said I think Islam is a future champion at 155. I've not seen where I would favor Islam over Khabib. I would. I have to see him against better people like i mean i know we saw him against sarukian we saw him against um moises you know those are some those are some solid wins but like like you said dan hooker bobby green you know those don't really do much for me uh i would have to see him against you know some of these top guys with the experience you know yeah. who are skilled and, and everything um yeah i haven't seen like i'm, I'm seeing like here's a comparison like Michael Jordan, right? Greatest ever. Maybe Islam is like Kobe, who's like at, at this point, he's basically copying everything right. that that Khabib is doing. But we haven't seen 
we haven't seen a thing that makes that puts him over yeah. uh, Khabib, and there may that that thing may never come. Like for me, that thing never came for Kobe with Jordan. Right. It was just like a carbon copy of it. While people say, "Oh, Kobe's more skilled than Jordan," like maybe Islam potentially might be more skilled, but we haven't seen it. Like I have to see Islam fight some more guys before I say that. Yeah, and deliver in big moments, and I mean. All of the things that factor into it, right? It's it's, uh, it's a very complex thing, but we'll see, man. I can't wait for this fight card. This fight card is off the charts, and this main event is as good as it gets. The last time I geeked out this much about a main event, Will, do you remember which one it was? Oh, hold on. I might be able to get this. Um, a main event. A main event. Last time I geeked out this hard over a main event. It, is, is it a pay-per-view main event? Pay-per-view main event. I feel like I know this. You should know it. should be thinking fight of the year. Oh, my gosh. Was it Yuri Glover? Yuri Glover! Was it? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was geeked for that fight. I, I feel like you're more geeked for this one, for Absolutely, sure. <laughs> yes, abs- I'm way more geeked for this one, but yeah. But yeah, that that one was the last time that I was like, really, like, I cannot wait for this one. And yeah, yeah and you, you did the same thing. You, like, for the, for the longest time. Couldn't you, pick, yeah. I, I kind of felt like you were leaning towards uh, Yuri, and then... Glover had been looking so good that once you like broke actually broke down the fight, started to think about it, you're like, I can't go Yuri, I gotta go yeah. Glover. <laughs> that was exactly how that went. Yeah. But. And and then and then now, like we like you said, we both were on Islam for for years, and then now as you break down the fight, like and don't get me wrong, this is a a pick 'em to me. Uh, but as you break down the fight, Charles has the power. Charles has the ground game. Like Islam has like the stuff in between, but. Yeah, it makes it tough. But yeah, yeah, I can see why you're geeked out. I'm geeked out. Like this whole fight card is going to be amazing. But I'll ask you this. When exact when exactly does the standing portion of the card begin for you? <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably Darius Gamrot. So you're gonna be standing for a while. For a while. <laughs> if 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 not Darius Gamrot. Then definitely from from Yon O'Malley on, it'll probably be a standing only type scenario, or yeah. or maybe yeah. like kind of halfway posting up, but not not like entirely standing, but not like actually sitting full sit. So, yeah, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I, I'm definitely I'm pretty much the same way, um, and I feel like I'll be sitting for Darius Gamera until like if that fight starts to get crazy, I'll be standing, and then I'll be standing for the remainder of the card. I'll probably stand when that one starts just because I feel like there's the chance that out of the gate, like Gamrot throws something crazy and then like, you know, Dariush doesn't doesn't run away from firefights. So like Gamrot might throw something crazy and Dariush just decides it's go time and like there we are. I don't know, man. This this card's awesome. I can't wait. I will not be sitting down for O'Malley on though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one for sure. I'll be standing for that yeah. one. Uh, and I might be throwing fight, up as as Bruce Buffer is announcing Islam Mahashev and Charles Oliveira. Like, just geeked <laughs> out of my mind. Well, I think we, we may have some time to sit down during uh, Sterling and Dillashaw. 
<laughs> so we, we might have a little bit of time to collect ourselves. Yeah. So then after that, we may be all right. All right, now we can stand yeah. back up and then get to Charles and this. I do think that'll be a good fight, but I, I definitely that like I said earlier, that's the fight that I was like zero part of me was conflicted in that fight. I, I think I think Aljo uh, is is gonna get it. So man, what a fight card! This is gonna be a lot of fun. Everybody out there. Enjoy UFC 280 on Saturday. We'll break it all down next week. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Have a happy fight week, everyone. Podcast is over.